Hey guys, it's Danny. Um, so just a quick change up. Um, we are, as you can see, uh, there's an EX episode. Um, we had some complications. Uh, so instead of cramming and wanting to give some material out um and stressing us out on what to do um i had this episode that i recorded with king um so for now that is just going to be for this week's episode okay and thank you all for your understanding happy new year and we'll see you next week okay bye gary um has lisa come over to meet his parents and <laughs> she was so gary excited is, about that oh my god yes and G- <laughs> gary i can't wait to meet his parents yeah exactly <laughs> and and gary is somebody who lets his parents control his life um can't stand up to them even though he's a good you know he's all in all a good kid good student and Lisa, who's a smoke show, rolls in, and she's like, I'm your son's date tonight kind of thing, and they're like, uh, you're like 20-something. Welcome back. It's another cinematography episode, and this is the Anime Summit, and your host is moi, me, Danny. Yes, it's me. Hello. <laughs> um, and it's another episode for our Brat Pack uh, movie review. So, and with me, of course, is my good friend King. Hey, hey, everybody. It's good to be back. Danny, I only have one thing to say, and that's from my heart and from my hand. Why don't people understand my intentions? (laughs) Yes. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready for some good tunes when we get there with some Oingo Boingo with some fun boingo boingo um yeah. and the guy's name oh my gosh uh danny elfman that's his name yes yes, yes. who's yes. the coolest awesome this is one of the quintessential movie songs that i can remember and i'm so excited to be here and talk with you it's always good to be back with you danny oh yeah thanks um yeah so last last time we did a cinematography it was for halloween and we reviewed the faculty with sam um and that was fun. So we took a little bit of a break of the Brat Pack to do some Halloween fun. And now we're back. We're we're doing St. Elmo's Fire and Weird Science today. So, uh, which is, what a, what a combination. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, you, you know, when you, you got to take the bad to get to the good. That's how yeah. I'm going to explain yeah. this. And I think that's how we have yeah. it ordered today. Um, you got to go through the hardships to get to the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So Sam is not with us. Uh, she couldn't make it for this one. Um, I know Weird Science is one of her favorite movies. So... Um, and I knew she wanted to review it, but, um, she wanted to focus more on, uh, Fist of Summit and, and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, which is okay. 
there will be other cinematography episodes that she can be on. So, um, but before that, uh, links.animesummit.net is where you can find all our stuff, including the plummet. Um, Kane, do you want to plug anything of the plummet that's going on before we go ahead and start? Yeah, absolutely. Once again, that's links.animesummit.net. There you're going to find access to um, uh, our little sister show, Anime Plummet. Of course, with the Anime Summit crew as our big sister flagship. There you're also going to find the Patreon, which you can join. I think it's like a buck a month, and you're going to get not only early episodes um, for both shows. We always like to give you guys a couple extra days early because... Who doesn't want early podcasts? The second thing, though, is you're going to get some bonus content. I would really recommend if you're already a patron, open up that app. Check out the latest uh, bonus cast from both Nick and Danny. They also had our friends on the Discord, Kai and Hunter on. They did a great cover of just some of their favorite OPs. Um, That was a really fun one. So that's out there for you right now, patrons. We've got more stuff coming up in the pipeline, stuff like uh, we I'll host a little happy hour drunken court cast um, where we always have special guests on. Danny, Sam, Nick, Kai, Snowman, uh, everybody, <laughs> everybody and their brother. Uh, everybody on the plummet <laughs> is like all of our friends. And it's just a good chance to hang out and get to know us a little better. What we're listening to, watching, reading, all that kind of cool stuff. So be sure to check that out. Yes. So um, let's... Let's get let's get into this. <laughs> let's get into why this. Are, wait, why is Danny, what's so funny what? about our first film, Saint Elmo's Fire? I don't understand why we're laughing so because, much. Because it's such it's such a complete opposite of like everything that we've reviewed. Mm-hmm. This is Especially the, in the Brat Pack. Oh uh, yeah. Know, this is our rum. That's essentials. Uh, this is just our problem child for the Brat yeah, Pack series. Yeah. And um, between you and I, this is the one I have been least looking forward to. But we can, I'll get into that when we talk about our connections to this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this movie is also kind of what started it all and what started the Brat Pack uh, review series, yes. in all honesty. Yes. So... Um, yeah, uh, this one's a weird one. This one's not your traditional like high school setting. This is more like young adult setting. So like in the twenties, mm-hmm. uh, everything like that. Yeah, after college and stuff. Um, so Saint Elmo's Fire came out on June twenty eighth, nineteen eighty five. It was directed, also co-written by Joel Shoemaker, who also directed Lost Boys, Batman Forever, and and Batman and Robin. Um, Batman and Robin was not a good one. No, these are the these are post um, <laughs> Tim Burton in the Batman film series yeah. that that were yeah. coming out when we were growing up, and these are regarded as the not good uh, Batman films. Though I, I I forgot to add, he also did uh, directed the 2004 Phantom of the Opera. And that was okay. Oh, that, okay. That one was yeah. okay. Yeah. It was Dees. It was Dees. Yes, exactly. Um Yeah, he did a bunch. I mean, he did he wrote The Wiz, which I'm not mad about. No, that's a fun um, what a trippy film growing up too. Good oh gosh, Lord. that one was so weird. <laughs> um, he has just a weird this is just a weird guy with 
some uh, like a, a one or two hits here and there, but like a lot of misses. So I think he's, yeah. Yeah. his career is kind of plagued with these weird films. Yeah, I mean, hey, I'm all about weird. I'm okay with weird. Yes, but sometimes they have it has to work. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yes, and of course our. Brat Pack team. Uh, the movie is starring Emilio Estevez, Rob Lowell, uh, Andrew McCarthy, Demi Moore, uh, Judd Nelson, Ali Sheedy, uh, Andy McDowell, and um, okay, I don't know how to freaking pronounce her name. Mayor Winningham is the last okay. one. Um, okay, who thank plays, you. Because um, oh, what is her name? In this, we're, I'm not gonna even gonna remember their cast name. To be uh, honest. Wendy. Wendy, thank you, Wen. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, she's kind of the odd duckling out in in this crew. In my, but mm-hmm. but what a cast! I mean, yeah, this oof. one definitely has the most like Brat Pack people out of anything. Yes. Particularly Amelia Estevez, Rob Lowe, Andrew McCarthy, Ali Sheedy, and um, Judd Nelson. Nelson. Yep. So. Yeah, because um, uh, and a lot of these names we're going to remember from our uh, Breakfast Club episode that we did. So if you haven't checked that one out, go back into the catalog and, and go listen to that one because we yeah. love that film. Yes, yes. Um, the budget for this film was ten million, and the box office made uh, thirty-seven point eight million. Um, so I mean, it definitely like made its budget for sure it wasn't a flop <laughs> yeah it's just not it's like I, i've been learning recently too how much a money a movie actually has to make to break yes. even because 10 yeah, million yeah. is the budget for making the film and we don't usually get to see the marketing and my understanding is it has to at least so if it's 10 million it needs to make 20 million because of just a break even due to marketing yeah. distribution all of these different things so like you're looking at about 17 million, which sounds like, whoa, that's a lot. But for a studio, that's not good. Like they're like the return yeah, on that is yeah. not a good view. So, yeah. And the movie did receive like a ton of negative reviews from critics, but it was a box office hit. Yeah. A hundred percent. I want to remind um, folks to just real quick that um, this is the, the, it's St. Elmo's Fire and. Um, the Breakfast Club are the quintessential Brat Pack movies. There's that uh, article we talked in about uh, in a couple episodes ago where that's where they coined the term. And it's just if you were in both movies, you were part of the Brat Pack. And a lot of people are mm-hmm. like Brat Pack adjacent. So this is an important piece of just pop culture history, even though it's kind of a stinker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um. Yeah, so a little bit on the plot. Um, uh, seven recent graduate uh, Georgetown University uh, graduates. Uh, they wait to... Okay, wait. I'm just going to read this whole thing. Uh, recent Georgetown University graduates Alec, Leslie, Kevin, Jules, and Kirby wait to hear about the conditions of their friends, Wendy, a sweet-natured young woman devoted to help others, and Billy, a former... A fraternity boy and now reluctant husband and father after a minor car accident caused by Billy's drinking. 
uh, at the hospital, Kirby, Kirby spots a medical student named Dale with whom he has been infatuated since college. Um, so this movie pretty much centers around um, these seven friends who uh, just recently graduated uh, college and they're just kind of dealing with the responsibilities of being an an adult, uh, a young adult per, per se. So, and, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> which, which with what you just described, that's, I'm interested. When I, right. when I hear this, um, you know, I'm, I'm at the moment, I am 32 years fun and I remember this time period. And, and yeah, as we same. get more into themes, I'll comment more on it. But I'm like, yeah, group of friends out of college struggling with becoming adults. Man, what a relatable theme. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'm hooked already, ready to go. Yeah. With their, like, and it's like their adjustments after, you know, you know, you know, being in college and, you know, just like being in the real world now. Like, they don't have to go to school. They don't have, like, oh, I have to go to this class or, like, oh, yeah, there's this party. You want to go to that? Mm -hmm. Blah, blah, blah. So, but I mean, for me, I can't really relate to that because when I was in college, like, I was going to a community college. So there weren't any dorm rooms for me or anything like that. So, um, yeah. And like at freaking 22, cause that's pretty much the age that they're at right now. Mm -hmm. Um, like, <laughs> okay. Did you see all their freaking apartments? <laughs> this is, I mean, this is the classic, um, cause I know Danny is a fan of the TV hit show friends and yes. <laughs> it's the same thing of like. How the hell does everybody How? afford a like yeah. a three bedroom apartment that they live in alone? Yeah. yeah. On on like these low level entry position jobs. And this is the same thing. Some of these folks are employed. Um, some are going back to graduate school, law school, whatever. And you can just tell with where they live, you're like, oh my God, this is so nice. The movie, as mentioned, takes place in Georgetown, which is located in Washington, DC. And it's one of the nicest parts of DC, one of the richest yeah, areas. Yeah, so so just, just by that alone, like I mean, I can only imagine what like income was like and like affordability was like in the eighties. Mm -hmm. Because I guarantee you, now, I mean, even in the worst parts of of DC, like it's stupid, it's stinking expensive. Absolutely, no, you're you're a hundred percent right. Cost of living is is astronomical, and like I said, where they live is really nice and really expensive yeah like freaking leslie and alex apartment oh just just massive <laughs> like, what the fuck is that what is that dude massive full kitchen um big ass living room where remember they got to get the big couch we can get the big couch if you get the new job kind of right thing. right <laughs> um um but what what uh what do you, I'm curious um, to start off if you had you know when you had seen this movie what's your connection okay. to it um, yeah okay so this movie I mean I have very little connection with this movie I'm gonna be honest like I don't really have too much connection with it mm -hmm. I knew it ex it existed because um literally after watching the Breakfast Club you know I 
go online and I'm all like, I kind of geek over like my favorite actors and I want to watch all their movies kind of mm-hmm. thing. <clears throat> so, and at the time, you know, I was like, when I was in high school, I was a huge fan of Judd Nelson. I'm all like, I want to watch all his movies. Like, what other movies has has he has he done? And he did same Saint Elmo's Fire, and also Ali Sheedy was in it. So I was like, oh, great, awesome! Like, count me in. So, um, yeah. So it was like years ago, and honestly, I barely remember anything from this movie i think i fell asleep in all honesty (laughs) while watching it and i just never like went ahead and rewatched it again i kind of just like forgot about it um so yeah um so really like it was like my second time not even like more like a first ish time 1.5 first time (laughs) watching it um so yeah oh gosh like i didn't think it was going to be this bad but like i don't know i have mixed feelings like i have really mixed feelings because it's like there are so many good actors in this movie but like the writing was just awful oh a hundred percent um this and we it's weird to to group these movies all together in the same universe because you're like oh there's going to be um a running theme feel writing style to it but then you realize this movie and breakfast club are written directed completely different guys with with completely different career trajectories um right john hughes is you know considered a master of his craft and the more you look into joel schumacher like i said you just start to see like man there are some stinkers on his resume yeah like yeah this guy is just out of his element and um you know we're we're dealing most of the stories we're we're used to dealing with is coming of age tales this is you've come of age and it kind of (laughs) sucks yeah 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 um yeah holy moly i mean honestly like i didn't mind the beginning like the beginning of the film i didn't mind you know um it was like literally the middle section that i was just like super cringe and then like the ending part i think like when um uh like when Leslie goes to Kevin's apartment and like Kevin kind of just like confesses his feelings to Leslie and stuff and then they end up having sex and everything like from that point on to the end it it got interesting um especially with with Jules and and like her struggles and stuff like that but like the middle part and and more so i had a huge problem with with emilio estevez's character kirby because like okay in the beginning you know like they're at that hospital and he spots dale like who's the the medical student and yeah, stuff played by andy mcdowell too yes um which also dale is a bitch i'm going to flat out say it like yes like throughout the whole thing because you know Kirby is showing interest in this woman you know like clearly you can tell that like he has a crush on her and everything 
but then there's this the then you have Dale who is played by Andy McDowell and like literally doesn't even say I'm sorry man I'm just not that into you and just like continues to lead Kirby on and then it leads Kirby into like this obsessive compulsive like craziness and it's awful oh yeah and and for the listeners too we should take a step back and just and like broadly explain like we are getting throughout the movie we are getting scenes of all of the actors remember post-college um how they're handling their new life as adults um including things like relationships love Mm -hmm. um their their friendship with one of uh, with each other um some serious topics like alcoholism drug addiction though they don't really pose it that way it's just kind of like quote unquote partying it's It's just like there yeah or it's they kind of play it off as like oh like instead of being like normal yeah yeah instead of being like (laughs) hey um um demi moore you have a cocaine issue that would they kind of write it off as like oh, you just haven't gotten out of the college phase yet. And you're yeah, like, you're like, yeah. no, 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 that's not what's going on here. Yeah, yeah. Um, or, or <laughs> hey, this terrible, you know, some terrible things will happen. Let's go to St. Elmo's, which is the bar that they like to go to in Georgetown. It's based off of a famous bar called The Tombs in Georgetown that you can go to today and have beer at. Um, anything time something bad happens, it's like, well, I could use a drink at St. Elmo's. And it's like, yeah. no, bitch, the reason why you got in trouble or this thing happened is because you already had a drink and it's not good. <laughs> so so that's really like the main plot of the movie without like we, we didn't want to go through every single scene in detail. But that's really it. Right. Like here yeah. are some stories. Here's how they're struggling with adulthood. People are falling in love. People are falling <laughs> out of love. People are cheating. Um, having to deal with the struggles of all of these things and their friendship group is kind of um, imploding on itself because of all these like extreme personalities that each cast member brings to the group. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Um, so what's your, okay. What's your connection to the, to this movie? Yes. This, um, it's funny because getting to do this series with you has been, for me, really rewarding and really fun and interesting. And I'm sad to say that the reason we're here today is because of this <laughs> because movie. Because of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and for listeners at home, let me explain. Um, I want to say it's almost like six months ago at this point, something yeah, around then. Yeah, much. Um, I've always liked 80s films. I've always liked Brackpat films. I had never seen this one growing up for whatever reason. Um, I mean, for all good reasons. Th- there's some good reasons for not wanting to see it. But um, my sister, actually, shout out my sister. And um, she had mentioned we were just chatting about Brackpat stuff. And she's like, oh, we well, have to see St. Elmo's Fire. It's on HBO Max right now. And I'm like, oh, no, I never saw that one. She's like, oh, my God, you're going to love it. It's one of my favorites. It's and one of her favorites? That's what she said at the time. And so I'm like, okay, me and the me and my lovely wife, uh, we come home from a visit from her. And we're like, yeah, let's pop this on. And then 
the whole thing unfolds and i my first thought is to text my sister be like what the fuck was this dude this is one of the worst <laughs> films ever it's cringy it's it's toxic um it's inappropriate at times like it's just and and the my least favorite thing about this and this will be one of my main points later to critique is all is forgiven by like right. everyone there's no one can really do anything that terrible that they're like I'm not talking to you anymore. You're a piece of shit. Like everything yeah. is always forgiven, no matter how badly you fuck up, which yeah. just feels so yeah. disingenuous. But um, so I started talking in our discord, which once again, that's links.animesummit.net. You can come hang out with me and Danny and talk about Brad Pack films if you want to. <laughs> um, I know I knew that Danny is um, just through listening to her cinematography over the years. I know that she's really passionate about movies. She loves talking. And I sent her, I, I let her know. I said, hey, I just saw this film and it, this is fucking terrible. Like, I absolutely hate it. <laughs> and this is kind of the startup point where Danny and I just start going back and forth. We both realize we have a love and appreciation for these kind of films, um, just how impactful they were from growing up. And that's how we just started brainstorming with. Um, we'd love to do a Brat Pack cinematography special where we get to dive yeah. back in and review it. So that's, it's, it's funny that Even this Even Sam is was it. in on that conversation too. Yeah. But like you and me were all like, no, let's do this like chronologically kind of insane, massive thing. And Sam was all like, oh, I just wanted to review the, you know, the main ones. The good ones. Not Sa- all yeah. of them. Sam was like, let me just get in on the good ones. You guys can cover the crap. Yeah. <laughs> which i don't blame her because um you know you got to dig through some some bad stuff to get through the good stuff um right but but yeah, yeah so that that this is my connection to it is this movie in my opinion um gets my friendship with danny just more expanded we get to spend <laughs> more time together we get to have fun we get to laugh and it's like we're creating fun content that i personally enjoy so um shout out to joel schumacher for for helping us with this i guess because this is i'm having a great time um but yeah that's my connection um should we jump into talking about just some themes about this film? yeah let's 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 do that yeah 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 awesome um you know one thing that i we had pointed out which i which sold me on the beginning of this film um the main point of this film is that life is very difficult for young people as they start to leave the nest, you know, in not so many words. Maybe <laughs> it's your um, graduating college. Maybe it's you got a job out of high school. You're a trade school. You're you're starting to live on your own. And you start to realize, like, the freedom that was college, the freedom of high school mm-hmm. in that your responsibility is so low in that you really only, like you have to worry about yourself. Maybe you got to go to classes. Maybe, um, you know, you have to remember to eat certain meals regularly or whatever. And like, that's all you're really concerned with. And then you leave that space and it's, hey, man, you got to get a job and you've got to pay rent and you've got to show up day to day and do this for eight hours um, maybe you're in a serious relationship and you need to show up for your partner day in and day out, um, uh, societal pressures of when are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? <laughs> um, these things that all young people really 
can identify with is is what can make life at that uh stage kind of um it can kind of make you feel jaded uh maybe the questions of that which i love the billy character for pointing this out you know is the party over right yeah um, yeah, are, yeah yeah are the good times gone and just the overall arching question which all young people have asked is this all there is to life the daily grind the same kind of rut of like we do this on saturday we do this on sunday and then you go to work on monday and i really i'm like man i did i did i identify with that tone and message um kind of in the beginning of the movie especially with with rob lowe's character billy that we just mentioned of i am not adjusting to this well and i'm gonna lash out against that through uh continuing to party with alcohol with drugs um to an excessive level i'm gonna keep fucking up at work so i keep getting fired i i'm hating the job Man, like mm. like it's not even oh gosh <laughs> yeah and what a problem what? like i was just like like left and right like you hear billy going for a job and then all of a sudden he's like ah eh, fuck this where's where's the where's the bar like i'm just gonna fucking smoke my cigarette snort some coke and drink some beer yeah and and here's the thing um that in itself very that's relatable i i've i've known these people um you know, I had my my crisis of like, is this is this all there is? And then I took steps and decisions and worked on my mental health to kind of get out of this this feeling and whatnot. Um, or what you could do is turn to drugs and alcohol and completely fuck up your life. <laughs> <laughs> um, and play your saxophone. And play your saxophone. So, <laughs> like, this is the main like the, that main point that I saw coming out of this movie, and I love. I I'm like, great, I love this. The problem is. To tell a good story and to really get people to connect to it, you need to have compelling, relatable characters that you find redeeming qualities in. And it's really tough to find those things in this film because the characters are so poorly written and you kind of just dislike everybody from from my point of view. Yeah, I mean, okay, so out of the characters, so Kirby, Kirby Keeger is played by Emilio Estevez. Billy Hicks is played by Rob Lowe. Kevin um, is played by Andrew McCarthy. Demi Moore plays Julian, uh, Jules. Uh, Judd Nelson plays Alec. Ali Sheedy plays Leslie. And um, uh, say her name again because I... Oh, I, uh, Mayor it, Winningham plays... Mayor, okay. Mayor, yeah. Mayor Winningham plays Wendy. So um, out of all of them... You know, for me personally, I think I I honestly can kind of relate to Kevin and Leslie, quite frankly. Um, because, well, uh, Kevin in particular, because, like, he's a struggling writer. Like, he's a writer, so, and he's trying to write for the Washington Post and stuff, but, like, he's not, he's not getting any of his stuff published. So as an artist, like, that... That's for sure struggling, um, trying to identify yourself, um, you know. And then um, Leslie, who is like in currently in a relationship with Alec, who is a freaking uh, yuppie pursuing a career in politics. Um, 
you know, she's trying to work on her on her art and, and like, you know, being an architect and everything. So, but she's also reluctant on marrying Alec because Alec keeps pushing at her to marry him and stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, cause like in the eighties and at least like in the eighties and, or before the eighties, like that's what people did. Like either as soon as they got out of high school they married their high school sweetheart or, you know, and they had kids and everything, or they go to college and then the minute they're out of college, they marry, you know, whoever, and then they have kids and stuff. So, like, that was, like, the norm. But now, nowadays, like, things are changing. Women are, right, like, especially in the 80s, are starting to have careers. Like, you don't have to be, uh, you know, a secretary or something like that anymore. Mm. Um, so yeah, like I can, for me, I, I, out of the two, mostly more of Kevin, I can relate, uh, but out of all of them, I could not relate to any of them at all, quite frankly. Yeah. It's, and and like I said, that's the problem of, of getting this main point across of life. Life is hard when you're young, figuring out the world. Yes. Totally agree. And I really wish I could connect to these characters more, like you said. Um, yeah. You know, we have Al as a character played by Judd Nelson, who, like you said, he's involved in Alec. politics. Yeah, Alec. And um, his whole thing, and I, and, and you've, and I, I, these people do exist. The, well, the reason you get married and have kids isn't out of love and wanting to start a family. It's a status thing. It's, it's a yeah. checkbox yeah. of... Hey, to be a successful person in this, um, you know, rat race town of D.C., um, not only do you have to be successful, you also have to be like, look, here's my wife and kids. Look, I don't yeah. I don't I don't spend time with them. And right. I- especially especially in an Alex situation, because like he's pursuing career in politics. So and and his choice, because I believe they, all of them are Democrats. Uh, yeah. I think they made a point to say that and they were making fun of Alec uh, because he decided to wor- work under a Republican and Alex um, his his reason for that is because well Republicans pay more money that way <laughs> which, which is which is actually I did love I did love that scene because um you know, we all we all have friends who, as you get older and you start to grow up, um, you you might start to compromise on certain beliefs, on certain ideas, um, be, because you think that's how you you want to get ahead. And that was just a great little subtle thing of like, he's kind of he's just like eh, these things I believed in college. The fact that I was the young Democrat, you know, club president for however long, and I don't agree with his politician, like. That doesn't matter because what matters now is getting ahead in life. This is what I got to do to get to the next level. And I'm like, yeah, good. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely know those folks. Um, everybody grows up with, with, with people like that. Um, hopefully you don't have to sell yourself out too much to get to what you, where you want to be, but it's, you know, I understand it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's honestly why, like, Alec was really pursuing the whole marriage thing with Leslie was because of like 
his social status and working with Republicans because the stereotype for Republicans is they're all married and they all have kids. Exactly. And, you know, so, um, yeah, like that was just, ugh. Yeah, it's it's like such a turn off. Such a turn off. So that's we got we got one story with Leslie and Alec. Um, you know Oh, but also we can't forget uh he's also having an affair with, with a saleswoman. Oh, with with I think it's implied <laughs> with like countless women over the time. Like he can't stop um chasing chasing chicks. You know, like that's right. his problem. He can't stop chasing women. And his reasoning is well, if Leslie would just marry me, then I wouldn't right. have to chase the. Right. I wouldn't want to oh, chase the chicks because I wouldn't cheat on my wife. And I'm like that. That freaking pisses me off so much. And like saying, you know, oh, if Leslie would just commit to marrying me, I'll be. And like Kevin's, Kevin is all like, because he was telling Kevin that. Um, yeah, Andrew and McCarthy's Kevin was good, all yeah. like, oh, so you know, so if Leslie marries you, then. Um, you'll be more faithful to her, and he and Alec goes, "Yeah, that's how it works." And I'm just like, "Dude, that's not how it works." <laughs> no, that's not that's not how it works at all. Like, you should want if you oh if you God. choose to be in a monogamous relationship with someone, if you enter it, you should honor that. If you want something different, you should voice that opinion. And if the other person doesn't doesn't want it, well, then you go your separate ways, and it's yeah. it's fine. Yeah. It's the it's the man up or shut up. Um, he's being just a child through it because he's just a classic trait with Alex's character is he flips it on other people. He's like, it's I'm not the one being a bad behavior. You're yeah, the one who's yeah. not tolerating my bad behavior, and that's why you're the problem. Um, gaslighting, toxic shit like that that you're just like, ooh, that. And one of the things that makes the movie really, really cringe. Um, and then. You know, with this this relationship between Leslie and Alec, we also have Andrew McCarthy's character, Kevin, who we come to learn is ever since college is madly in love with Allie's character, uh, played by Ali Sheedy. Oh, Leslie. Leslie, sorry. And he's just the the man on the side, like watching all of this happen. He's like, I love this girl. She's with somebody else. And this guy's a total dickhead and, yeah. and like cheating. But none on of their friends know that. Like. With Jules, like, because not only that, um, Jules accused Kevin of being gay and being in love with Alex. So, like, none of none of their friends knew that Alec was in, in uh, sorry, not Alec, uh, Kevin was in love with Leslie. So, until, like, the very end when, um, at, like, that huge party at that Korean businessman's house Mr. that Mr. Kim. Kirby hosts. Yeah, Mr. Kim. <laughs> poor, can we all, can we all agree, like... poor Mr. Kim? He. <laughs> oh, my God. He's just this. Like, first Ugh. first of all, Billy started have, having sex with Mr. Kim's wife. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, all of a sudden, Kirby is here and, like, literally lied to this poor businessman and... Just threw a fucking party at his house. Yeah. And uh, like, oh, God. What's, and, and this is one of my other critiques of the film. There is very little comedy in this film. Like, I didn't find myself laughing. But anytime they brought in businessman Mr. Kim and somehow both Billy and Kirby end up working for him as like kind of house sitters, you know, assistants or whatever. They both fuck it up unbelievably, and you're just like, yeah. "Damn, Mr. Kim, I'm so sorry for you." 
<laughs> so shout out Mr. Kim for being like the one of the only sources of comedy in the film. It's just this poor guy who, who can't <laughs> get like – And, I, you know, I, I, I did some math um, just for funsies because, you know, I love doing our 1980s math. He was offering them <laughs> 500 bucks a week to be his assistants and, and just basically be a caretaker at their house. That's like yeah. a couple thousand dollars today. So you would be doing very well yeah at that time yeah not only that but like come on like that's easy money taking care of a freaking house yes yes (laughs) sign me up i'll do that i don't care (laughs) yeah so shout out to him so we got so we got three of them down you just mentioned um kirby um who we we talked about he falls in love with dale briefly yeah okay i really want to get into the nitty-gritty with kirby's character who plays by Emilio Estevez. Let's get into it. Let's let, the the biggest uh, simp douchebag ever. Is, so honestly, like, I wouldn't really have much of a problem with everything else if it wasn't for Kirby's character. Oh, let's like let's dig I into honestly, that. I really wouldn't mind like the whole issue with Billy and being an alcoholic and like also also kind of like having some rapey issues later on mm-hmm. um and and the whole like alex sleeping with the woman you know ch- literally cheating on leslie and everything like that i wouldn't even mind any of that the real sole problem that i had with this movie was kirby's story and just how obsessive he became with uh with dale with this with this lady doctor and I'm just and and like all the stupid stuff that he like attempted to do, like freaking going to this uh, restaurant and the restaurant not even being open. And he's like examining the tables and he's like, I want this table. And the guy's like, that's fine, but that's a table for four. And like Kirby's like, I'll pay double. It's fine. And like he literally just sits there and waits and waits and waits and waits and waits. And And I'm just like, man, she's not that worth it, bro. Like she came, she went to lunch or whatever. And then she didn't even sit to eat with him. Like she got like a phone call because she had to go back to the to the hospital. Like. It, and then he's and then and then oh this this gets better and then he stalks her mm-hmm. he's on his freaking bicycle waiting for her to leave her house and then follows her to like this party or whatever and and just like watches her through the window and like all of a sudden you know a guy just like wraps her his arm around dale's waist and stuff and like he gets like so mad i'm just like what are you mad about bro like she's not that into you like take the hint this is and and then the party at, at mr kim's place and then like kirby getting mad that dale didn't come to the party and then like he drives to like her apartment number one to find out where she was, um, first of all, uh, Dale's 
uh, roommate shouldn't have told Kirby where she was. No, this is because... this is psychopathic behavior at this point where he's like, where the hell is Dale? I'm going to find her and yeah. give her a piece of my mind. It's like, yeah, dude, you don't don't calling, do that to anyone. That's horrifying. calling her job and asking to see if she if, if she got like uh, any emergency calls to the hospital, like if she had to work or anything like that literally caught like just being obsessed and that's no 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 friend like in all honesty like if i was dale i would have like i think dale was a little bit too nice to kirby and his behavior and everything like that not only that like she's a fucking bitch too because like the fact like honestly if i was dale and like the moment uh, like Kirby came inside the house and he was like all wet and everything and everyone's looking at him and he was like soaked to the bone and like she, she like he like walked up to Dale and she turned around and she's all like what are you doing here and that moment if I was her I'd be like come with me I would have walked him out called him a cab and said don't ever see me again like this no like Whatever this is, I don't want it. Thank you. Have a nice life. Goodbye. Like, she should have ended it. But in all honesty, like, she invited, number one, she invited him to her apartment, like, nonchalantly. And she kept saying, like, you don't even know me. Like, I only saw you at a glance while we were in school. Like, it was is a huge problem. Like, I hated it. I absolutely hated that whole thing that happened with Kirby. Because, like, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> what? And, you <laughs> like, know, it's it's interesting, too, because when, when talking with you, talking this whole thing out, if we really think about it, the, th- what's going on with Kirby and Dale is completely separate from the group. It has yeah. nothing to yeah, do yeah, with yeah. any of the characters. And it, and you have to ask, does this even – what does this do for the movie? What does this yeah. storyline yeah. do for us? What it's It has nothing to do with the group. It's all about Kirby. Um, it's very – it's just like upsetting to watch and so cringe at times. So it's like it detracts from the movie. I think you've, you, you already said it. You're like this – is like the worst part of the movie because it 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 doesn't fit with anything else yeah, going on. Yeah, all of the so other storylines. Yes, all the other yeah. storylines are kind of tied together, which is once again, what, what like what's going to happen to this friendship group with the hardships of becoming an adult and another big thing of like how do you deal with friends that are going off the rails? Except these two things don't apply to Kirby because he's just simping so hard. So whenever we bring up, you know, Danny, anytime we bring up simps on our anime relation on our anime podcast, we got to be like, yo, shout out to Kirby from St. Elmo's fire. The biggest (laughs) ever. If I remember, oh my gosh, (laughs) dude. So, so I, I, I even put, um, because at, at the end, I'll, uh, we can say who our favorite character is, but hands down, my least favorite character is Kirby. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, creepy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, yes, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. That whole thing is just an absolute problem. Like, I, no. Like, I. Yeah. Ugh, it's just, it made me want to gag. Like, honestly, the, 
I could I could find like you know him going and stalking her at the party and then going to you know like uh, Andy's character you know bringing her to her house and everything like yeah fine but like the whole like calling her job threatening her job to like where like finding out where she is then going to her, her apartment and threatening her roommate mm-hmm. on where she is, and then f- finally finding out where she went, driving there, like physically driving to the cabin because she went skiing, driving to the cabin to confront her, like, no. <laughs> no. He's Nope. No. And no. and of course we have to let uh, spoiler folks because I I don't give a fo- you don't need to see this movie. We're we'll we'll tell you what happens. Um <laughs> so we're throwing the no spoilers out. Uh he kind of like gets with her at the end. He gives he's able to get a smooch with her and she likes it and you're just like I... no. Ew, gross. This is terrible. Even then, even then, like that doesn't win me over. Like he- in the end, like with that whole thing, like I feel like that is more. And again, this is where like Dale's character is a problem as well because she's leading him on. Yeah, she's and, tolerating like, horrible behavior. Yeah, um, yeah. Like a literally allowing him to do that to her in front of her boyfriend, no less. Yeah. Um, and like. I can I can get the whole like sympathetic thing and then you know like Kirby giving her that like kiss in the end and everything like that and like I don't know I think it was more of I think that whole like finale thing was supposed to like prove a point to Dale it's all like this is what you're missing kind of thing yeah but in all honesty like if for me, if if I if someone is trying to impress me and it's like stalker obsessed kind of behavior, uh, you're not impressing me at all. No, of course not. It's <laughs> so. Oh man, the, you could tell like Schumacher was really trying to shove in like, "Hey, man, Kirby's the everyday man just trying to go for his chick, gosh, and we should I don't all relate." Know what the frick they were thinking oh like, dude i really don't understand yeah you're supposed to be excited for Kirby. you're like yeah if you just keep pestering women they'll eventually have to give in because you've threatened them so much and that's how you win them over yeah, yeah. and you're yeah. like no 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 no, <laughs> yeah. no 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 don't do that that's um but hey we're <sighs> we're we could we could dunk on kirby all day but we still have uh three more members of this crew to hit um yeah uh let's let's bring it over and plus we have weird science so and we gotta get to weird science so let's (laughs) let's knock these out um demi moore's character is um a right out of college she gets a job at a high power banking firm what you know insert high power job in dc blah 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 yeah um international banker thank you very much she has two problems one of them is cocaine, which is a very expensive, bad problem to have and horrible for your health. The second problem is she has a spending problem where she spends too much money on cocaine and other things. <laughs> well, she has multiple problems. She has multiple problems. but um, Not just those two. Exactly. But um, 
it's the thing of like her life is falling to pieces. This is bringing it back to one of the themes of what do you do when your friend starts to go off the rails? Um, yeah. And she is just in crisis mode for a lot of this movie. Her friends are somewhat concerned and try to talk to her. But this is one of my other main critiques of the film is um, and it could apply to any character. Something bad happens. Somebody does something fucked up. What is the answer? Hey, let's go to St. Elmo's and have a couple pints yeah. and everything will, it, you know what? Have a couple drinks, sleep it off. It'll be better tomorrow. And th- that doesn't work when you have a crippling alcohol and cocaine addiction. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, again, like, I feel like Jules is in the same line as, like, Billy because they're both party people. Um, These are the two that are going off the rails um, yes, throughout the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Billy has an alcohol, uh, you know, he has an alcohol addiction. Womanizing. Jules has, yeah, yeah womanizing or, uh, you know, he has like a so-called wife, like it, although. And a child. Honestly, do you really, at this point, I don't even consider that woman his wife. Like I'm just going to say that's his girlfriend yeah. because. Uh, he doesn't treat her like, like a wife, that's for sure. D- <laughs> He's like literally making pass up to pass to pass to any freaking person that walks. So uh I that was just like a confusing relationship in its own. Um so but it's the same thing with Jules. Like Jules, you know, she yeah, she got this job, but like she's the type of person that yeah, she'll get that job, but she won't do it well. Yes. Um, yeah. She'll get she the... just got the job because it pays well, but she doesn't do it well. So, um, and then that's kind of when like she started going off and like having affairs and everything and just being so reckless. Um, so, and that's kind of when like Wendy and Leslie are like really concerned about her behavior. So, yeah. And again, like that whole aspect, I really did not mind because that's real life situation shit. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure, you know, everybody has that one friend who kind of goes off the rails and like, you know, you're generally concerned for them. So because I mean, aside from Billy, you know, majority of all the other friends a part of this group aren't really like heavy addicts to anything yeah um so they're they they're kind of like the grown-ups you know billy and jules is like the kids of the of the group you know they they're still in their like heyday of like college life kind of thing that's what they want to do they want to party they don't want responsibility mm-hmm. so um yeah, which is why, like, Jules kind of had her mental breakdown in the end because after a while, um, you know, the the group kind of finds out that uh, Jules kind of locked herself in her apartment and, like, you know, she's she's fallen behind on, like, all of her, all of her bills. Um, she's, you know, the, she's yacked out of her mind by her, this point. She's probably, yeah, you're like not sleeping, you're not eating, you're not yeah. taking care of yourself. You're just yeah. cooked out. She was putting up a front, like pretending to go to a job or anything like that. So, 
Um, you know, so that that moment and, and of course, you know, she opened all the windows in her in her apartment and she, you know, just intended to kill herself. Yeah. So and all her friends were just trying to help and everything. And um, and then this is kind of where like Billy kind of makes a good move on it because he ends up talking to Jules and like calming her down and stuff. And, you know they they just start to talk about like the two of them and how they relate to one another and and just saying you know like yeah this is life like it it's hard like it is going to be hard and stuff and i think this is where honestly kind of like billy realizes like uh i need to grow up because he was so reluctant on like getting a regular job and supporting his family and stuff he actually went back to the to the college to the school and like was hanging out with some of his old college buddies and they were they were sitting uh they they were like playing football and stuff and billy was talking to one of his old you know frat boys and was all like hey you know i'm thinking about getting a job on campus like do you do you think you can help me out? And the guy was like, oh, yeah, like, totally. We could use somebody like you. And Billy's like, yeah, cool, man. And and the guy just flat out said, like, yeah, we need someone who can get us good drugs. <laughs> just like, <laughs> damn. Oh, man, this sucks. So I think that was kind of like an eye opener for Billy. Like, um, you know, this is not going to work out for me kind of. Yes. You know, he does. So he has this come around, like come to Jesus moment where he's like, he finally stops the drugs. He he stops the the drinking and he's like, I got to get some something together. So by the end, he's kind of got his head on straight and is able to help Demi more through kind of sort of um, and is able to help Demi more. Just kind of be like, hey, it's it's this sucks, but it's gonna be okay. We'll we'll be there for each other, and that that was a nice moment. Um, yeah, but yeah. I will say in Demi Moore's situation, where you know she's strung out, she's thinking of suicide. Um, you know she's she's incredibly in debt. The what ends up happening in the movie is they're like, which of course, once again, if there's an issue or a problem, the solution is. We should all go to the bar and have another couple rounds of drinks. Yeah. <laughs> the the in my in, in my impression, Demi Moore desperately needs to go to rehab and therapy. Um, oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. But that wasn't. This is nineteen eighty five. That wasn't going to be the answer. So that was yeah. never. The, the yeah. answer is you're going to be fine. Everybody does too much cocaine. Just go to the bar and you'll be okay with it. <laughs> it it'll be fine. Um, we've we've spoke we've spoken so much about Billy too. I feel like we don't have to get too too into it. But I do want to touch on our last character, who I feel bad for. Um, Wendy, of course, played by Mayor Winningham, and Wendy is unfortunately the the person in the '80s movie who you shove in there. She's what the you, she's just like the fat girl. Except she's a totally yeah. normal looking person. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She is actually super pretty in this movie. Yeah, she was so pretty because, like, but she's a little bit like bigger than the other women, and they're like, yeah, therefore, yeah. you are the fat girl. And it's just like a lot. There's like fat jokes throughout doing that and fat yeah. shaming. I'm like, she's a normal sized person. Well, I mean, even like her family was like 
fat shaming her as well and stuff like that. I mean, even like uh, Wendy and Bill, like Wendy had a thing for Billy. So, and like they got drunk and, and, you know, they started kissing and that's when like Billy started making fun of her girdle and all that kind of stuff. And so <laughs> that was like major turn off. I'm like, come on, man. Like, yeah. why did you do that? <laughs> I, I just feel bad for her the whole time too. Cause her family is pressuring her for, um, to get to marry somebody. Yes. yes. Like that was so annoying. And, and kind of her family's like, because Mare, uh, Wendy's like, I want to marry someone I love and then I want to start a family with and be passionate. And her parents are like, that's not really what adulthood is about. Like, that's yeah. not what marriage is about. Mar- <laughs> like, this is what it is. You need to find a stable man who will work at the family business, who will get you pregnant and you will have children. That is the yeah. point of adulthood. And you're just like, no, that's I did not. I don't like subscribe to that at all. So. I did like she was even like so at like she was just like so she she wanted to like not live at her parents house too. Yes. And like she wanted her own place and stuff. She didn't want to like get married right away and then that's how you like leave the nest kind of thing. So which I totally can relate to that. Absolutely. Because there's been a point in time where it's just like. I want to live on my own. Uh, I want my own things and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Um, you want your own life and your own decisions. Yeah, but like it's, it's just so – It was it's very difficult to live on your own, particularly for me. Mm-hmm. And like living in New Jersey was just not – it was not going to happen, um, especially with my income. So, um, yeah. So like the whole like I I I I had a lot of sympathy for Wendy for that aspect on wanting her own place and stuff. Yeah. So and and I do I do I did like that Wendy and Billy were able to like make up because cuz Wendy did tell her father like you know, I don't I'm not in love with Howie or whoever that guy that she was seeing that her parents like arranged and everything. Yeah. Um, And like she told she told her dad, like, you know, I, I like Billy, like Billy is the one I like. So and and then when she finally got her own place and like busy, Billy went to go visit her and stuff and like they had like a nice conversation and you know that's that was when billy decided like yeah i'm i'm going to move like i'm going to go to new york instead and and like he decided to divorce his wife and stuff oh oh so oh that- don't forget he also decided to abandon his child which and i love the reasoning he goes ah they'll be better off without me i'm like that's a really <laughs> quick way of being like peace out family by responsibility <laughs> I mean, it is better, but it's just kind of funny. He admitted it. He admitted it. You know, I mean, he even said he's like, I can probably be one of those weekend dads. Yeah. So, um, which I mean, I would say in that aspect, like with that whole situation, like if I was his wife or now ex-wife, you know, like if if I if I can see that he is making an effort in getting his shit together, you know, then I would apply some visitation rights and stuff like that. Like, like I'm pretty sure there, there would have been like some sort of like arrangement 
for that kind of thing. But who knows? It's the freaking 80s. Like, yes. The, um, so the one thing I will say is I'm, I'm, I'm going to say right now, my favorite character is Wendy for two reasons. Um, you mentioned she kind of stands up to her father at the end of the movie and says, I don't want to feel pressure to get married. I want to make my own decisions. I'm moving out. And, you know, they end on a nice little like understanding. So stood up to the dad. Great. And the whole movie, there the there are jokes made about her virginity that she's never lost. She ends yeah, up losing yeah. it to Billy, which is a pretty cool yeah. guy move. So <laughs> yeah. she stands up to her dad. She loses her virginity um, to to a very attractive Rob Lowe. I will say he's very handsome in this movie. Um, yes. So Mer- uh, Wendy Mayor Win- Winningham, you're my favorite character of this film. <laughs> um. And we've we've covered everybody, which is sweet. I do spoiler. This is the ending of the film. Um, they all get back together. Their the friendships are there enough. Um, they walk up to St. Elmo's because they're like, oh, maybe we should get a drink. And somebody's like, you know yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. You know what? Well, I have work tomorrow morning. Uh, you know. Yeah, like... yeah. Let's let's not go to St. Elmo's. Let's not go to the college bar as yeah. you know. Yeah, adults. and then they're all like, oh, you guys want to go to Hands next Sunday for brunch? Yes, and I did note <laughs> in my notes, I was like. This is the natural progression of adulthood is you stop going to the college bar and you graduate to brunch on Sundays where you get hammered with your friends. The end. Which but which also <laughs> Hulahan's is also a bar as well. Yes, that's so and it's <laughs> so. just it's the perfect ending. Like everyone has a drinking and drug problem probably, but let's go to brunch on Sunday. See you there, yeah. guys. Let's have some mimosas. <laughs> Exactly. Um, do we want to roll into final thoughts in a roll uh, and a yeah, score on this? Yeah, let's do that so that we can we can really talk about uh, weird, weird science. science. Okay. Um, so. I'll start off. Let me say this. Um, this movie was was rated horribly when it came out, and I think that still stands to this day. So I think this movie does hold up because it was terrible then and it was terrible now. <laughs> Um, I, I really think it's an interesting theme, like I said, of what happens after you've come of age and you start to realize like what adult life really looks like. I think that's such a great premise. It could have been Mm -hmm. so interesting. I couldn't connect to, um, the characters. One of the big critiques I found, which I thought was really interesting. This is like the worst side of yuppie and excess culture that comes out in the 1980s. Oh, yeah. And people yeah. like people then are like, I do not identify with these people because it's gross. It's like the Wall Street bros. It's the DC mm-hmm. crowd. Um, props to one positive thing. It's really pretty when they go around uh, Georgetown, when they go to the campus, which fun fact was actually the University of Maryland College Park. Um, so that was a little cool tidbit. But the, it's very there's very idealistic pretty scenes that is a beautiful part of the country um you know really old buildings everywhere so that was cool uh this is hands down my least favorite brat pack film we've reviewed another note not a good soundtrack there are no bangers there's no catchy like there's there's, a lot of saxophone there's a lot of saxophone and I was just sad that there's no good music when there's in all the movies we've watched so far, there's been like a couple, like there's some good tunes at least. And that's what I identify as part of a Brat Pack film. I am giving this 3.5 sax solos out of 10. <laughs> 
um, which is right on par with the Metacritic uh, rating at 35 out of 100. So, Danny, what did you think? Oh, boy. Um, Like I said, this isn't a great movie. Um, But it's also not good either. (laughs) (laughs) It is not great, nor is it good. (laughs) Um, I still kind of like enjoyed it either way kind of thing like i said like if it didn't had like the creepy obsessive behavior with kirby's character i think it would have been a decent movie you know i think in all honesty like if if kirby just would have moved on and like or they would have had like this some sort of thing between dale and kirby and like dale's telling kirby like you know I'm sorry, but like this isn't just this isn't working out really. Like I'm just too busy with my career and stuff and and I just need to focus on that. You know, they could have done something with that instead of having Kirby just obsess over this woman who like barely even knows Kirby at all. Like mm-hmm. not a wink. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure after that like so-called lunch date she like kirby wasn't even on her mind after that like he wasn't even a thought so um yeah so i don't think it would have been that bad if they didn't have that kind of thing in there um I'm reading, I was like, I'm on like IMDb and like I was reading like the tr- like the trivia facts and apparently Joel Schumacher had like, had to fight uh, hard to cast like everybody in this. So, I mean, that's kind of interesting. I don't understand why he would, I guess maybe like money issues and stuff. Um but yeah i don't know um i'm gonna give this uh like a five out of ten uh uh yuppie guy having sex with a saleswoman (laughs) (laughs) now that's a hell of a rating right there Shout out, um, shout out, saleswomen who have sex <laughs> with the no yuppies. Name. Yeah, who has no name, and we never see her. Um, that's perfect. I, and you know what? Sh- I'm curious. I'm curious. Okay, because I remember in the beginning when we started this, you read a little bit of Andrew McCarthy's uh, memoir. Yes. And I'm curious on what his thoughts were on this movie in particular. Yeah, this is so this is an interesting time period too where um you know with with this film and with uh Breakfast Club 2, this like and that that I think it was from the New York Post that that calls them the Brat Pack, this explodes them into complete stardom, unable to walk down the street without being chased by hordes of people for mm-hmm, autographs mm-hmm. and all of this. Um this is also a time period of heavy drinking and drug use by 
several members in the cast specifically demi moore had to go to rehab before she could be in this movie oh yeah yeah i was reading that like not only did demi moore's character was heavily like into drugs but demi moore also had a drug problem during this time and like schumacher demanded her to leave the set because she was like super high yeah so, so she's they're, yeah. they're they're starting to break down. Um, McCarthy mentions that because of the the success of the term the Brat Pack that that's coming from these movies, he and the rest of them, especially Emilio Estevez, is finding it hard to get casted in future movies because it's not just this thing of like here's the hot young celebrities. It's they're partying too much. They're showing up yeah. fucked up to work. So these these rumors, these stories are sparti- starting to spread about all of these actors, about how troublesome that 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 they are. And they're not making they're not in necessarily like um like critical bangers you know they're getting negative reviews so on top of this movie which is getting negative reviews they they're building a reputation of party people that are heart that are dramatic to work with that have issues and um andrew mccarthy will go on to be in several more movies but a lot of these folks like they're gonna start to run into serious problems uh down the road and it's just the excess culture of the 80s that we kind of talked about of drinking and and drugs and all of these things so like this like after this film a lot of their lives start to deteriorate and unravel um so it, they they hit a really tough part that mm-hmm. they all need to kind of start coming back from and i'm interested to see andrew mccarthy is making a documentary um based off his book and he's starting i've, I've been reading reports over the last couple months he is starting to go and interview all of these old friends and cast members. And it's like some of them, it's the first time they've talked in like 15 years. Yeah. So when that comes out, um, maybe you and I can watch that and we'll give a review of everything. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, I definitely would love to do that for sure. Yeah, so that would be fun. So. Um, but that's everything I got for this one. Uh, awesome. All right. And with that, we're going to jump into our next Brat Pack film of our series and that's going to be weird science which was released in august august 2nd 1985 so actually not that what was that like a month after um saint emma's fire anyways yeah pretty much yep now guys we got through we got through the the we got through the mugs so we could get to the cream of the crop right here. This is the good stuff. We're bringing it back to our buddy, uh, John Hughes, who is both the writer and director of this film. Um, it's a, based on a um, – I know it's based on a um, – I think it was like a short story of some sort. I don't have it so in my notes. So they based it – okay. So they they had to credit it because there is like – there was like a comic book – that was also called Weird Science. Ah, okay, there we so go. So they and and they and the Weird Science comic book did have a story called uh Made of the Future or something like that. And they had to uh there's like a rumor that uh Joel Silver, who is the producer, um uh 
either he was the one who uh, bought that title um, so that they can they can use the title weird science and stuff but like it, it's it's a weird kind of thing like it's it's they say it's a rumor but i don't know how true it was so totally that makes sense um but yeah we're bringing our buddy john hughes back in who of course is the uh director of breakfast club including a whole bunch of other films that we've talked about in the past um this is starring anthony michael hall elon mitchell smith kelly lebrock oh man this is fun to see robert downey jr and bill paxton who mm-hmm. I had no idea that both of these guys would show up. And that's so fun. They're very young in this film. Um, shout out Bill Paxton. I, I really like him a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. The budget for this film was $7.5 million, And the box office was $38.9 million. Um, kind of around the same numbers as St. Elmo's Fire. It mm-hmm. has a current score on Metacritic out of 46 out of 100, which I think is criminally low, and I will get into <laughs> on why. Um, a quick plot, uh, just a, a plot synopsis. Uh, it's about two high school nerds who use a computer program to literally create the perfect woman who promptly turns their lives upside down. Weird science. Bam, 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 bam. Um, I'll insert I'll insert the song. Exactly. Thank you so much. Um, the main theme, of course, we've already mentioned it, is by the 1980s pop rock band Oingo Boingo, who is fronted by Danny Elfman. You might know him as a super famous conductor now. Um, he's uh, done tons of scores for like um, the Nightmare Before Christmas, um, all the Tim Burton Batman films, um, uh, just uh, countless, countless things. I think he did, didn't he? He might have done the Simpsons intro, unless I'm thinking of somebody else right now. But I wouldn't know. I'm not a Simpsons person. Yeah, so. but he's just like super famous in the music scoring, conducting orchestra world now. But uh, his original thing was Oingo Boingo and... Where St. Elmo's failed us on music, this movie brought us back, baby. There's so much good music into it. Um, I'm going to try to avoid some spoilers in this because I actually we I want you to go watch this film, audience members. Uh, as we mentioned, this is one of Sam's favorite. And really, all you really need to know from my standpoint of the plot is we've got two two big dorks we've got michael anthony hall and um elon mitchell smith's characters who are best friends um freshmen or sophomores in high schools uh they're constantly getting picked on by robert downey jr and another guy in the movie um through pantsing getting slushies dumped on them classic 80s nerd getting bullied stuff and you know as the movie kind of opens up we see them having a tough time at school and and getting picked on and then bam oingo boingo slaps right in and it's just such a when i think of brad pack films i just like breakfast club i need a banger song to start the film Mm -hmm. so that you're just like and then the credits the intro credits roll that's how you know it's going to be a good one and we got that here uh really quickly we realized that our two main characters um gary and wyatt um are you know have trouble with the ladies so they decide to program the perfect woman uh this is one of the dumbest scenes i've ever seen in a movie danny when 
<laughs> they, you know, Wyatt is the the whiz kid, um, and and Gary, who's played by Michael Anthony Hall, um, is kind of just his buddy who's just horny and gets into shenanigans. <laughs> and Anthony Michael Hall is actually playing like a somewhat nerdy cool kid. Yes. Yeah, like, yeah. That's versus exactly versus like his other counterpart uh, characters, like from uh, Sixteen Candles and um, uh, the Breakfast Club. So like this, Ga- Gary, Gary the character is like he <laughs> the the perfect example that I could think of is Gary is Chandler from Friends. Yes. Very much so. Like, <laughs> that's the only analogy that I could think of. Yeah. And and Gary's kind of the, like, he's the mastermind behind, like, let's, why can't we simulate a girl? Um, And he's just the ideas guy. And Wyatt is the more shyer, nerdier one that has the skills. And, oh, my God, this, pro- like, you see their ancient computers compared today and they're like doing the thing where they're just like, well, I'll just start hacking. And he's like, cluck, 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 And the next thing we know, he's hacking into like the Pentagon or something of similar nature. And yeah, yeah, it does it. And this is the most unimportant part of the movie is how they actually do it because it doesn't make any sense. They hook up a Barbie doll to a computer. They feed it um, information like. They're like, well, let's make her smart. So we'll feed her, you know, the- like um, um, scientific theories and all these kind of things. But we also got to make her super hot. So let's feed the machine a bunch of Playboy magazines. <laughs> um, you know, they're controlling things like the size of her boobs and her waist size and all this ridiculous shit um, that has. I totally get that. The idea of two young boys creating their perfect woman is very problematic for multiple reasons, but I try not to look too, too into this because it's just a stupid, silly comedy shtick thing going on. Yeah. Anyways, um, it somehow works. It doesn't make any sense how they're able, like there's no, they don't like use any like natural organic materials to make this perfect woman. But of course uh, they're able to create Kelly Brock, who my goodness, what a beautiful woman. And especially at the time. um, Oh yeah. Gorgeous lady. I mean, I I watched like a little kind of it, it was at like Awesome Con or something in 2019 and and it was like a Weird Science reunion and and Kelly LeBrock was there and she still looked good. Oh yeah, she's just someone. She's just she was born with beauty and and good for her. Um, of course, I have to tell she you, she was also she actually turned down the role as Lisa. Um. Until like the one that they, they like finally managed to cast someone for Elisa, but it didn't work out uh, with with the other model because of artistic differences. And then that's when Kelly LeBrock uh, was on board and stuff. Nice. So, well, so, I mean, I, I think yeah. she is wonderful as Lisa. And what we kind of come to find out is Lisa's character, um, which I like, instead of just being a subservient object for the boys. She's really their fairy godmother that they create yeah, in, much. in this convoluted <laughs> way, which we can get to in a second. Um, 
Shout out to wearing bras on your head uh, during <laughs> the process of making this woman. You've seen pictures of it. It's um, Gary and Wyatt with bras on their head. Actually, for this recording, Danny and I decided to wear bras on our head in honor of it. So uh, we're... I am not wearing a bra on my head. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> I would just like to point that out. Oh, my gosh. Um, so it's just like silly, fun stuff like that. Um, and, of course, um, this is all based on the concept of Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster. And they they do the thing where they're like, she's alive. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's super fun. And, of course, shenanigans ensue with this because we get so many great iconic scenes of like, you know, what do you what, – what, what do you little monsters want to do first? And they all take a shower together and she's showering yeah. naked, except they have their clothes on because they're so shy. Well, they have like their pants and shoes on. Yes, exactly. They're like shirtless, but like, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they don't know what to do. Yes. You know, like, yeah, like they're, they're kind of just like flabbergasted. Like they're all like, is this for real? Like, is this real, real right now? <laughs> oh, 100%. And and they're adolescent young boys. You know, they're 15 years old probably. So in, in a lot of situations, they're like, I don't know what the fuck to do with a grown and naked woman that's a smoke show in front of me. Like, you just – that's why it's silly, inappropriate, all of the above. Um, and throughout the rest of the movie, this is kind of what happens without going too much more into it is – Lisa is trying to bring um, the best out of Wyatt and Gary through um, different – she kind of almost sets up like different confrontations for them to overcome. Uh, they go out to a bar, which is really crazy because they're underage boys, and she even provides them fake IDs um, so that they're drinking with older guys uh, and ladies. And just – she's trying to bring them out of their shell um this also includes okay which by the way that bar scene amazing this this is amazing i love this that scene. by far my the, the whole thing the whole thing from from the minute they walked into the bar till uh freaking wyatt driving uh or or actually scratch that from the minute they went to the bar till their um and count like like they were confronting Chet with that whole thing yes. because with Anthony Michael Hall just like having the the Richard Pryor voice into like into well it reminds me too it reminds me too of um <laughs> yeah Anthony Michael Hall gets completely hammered on like she, shitty cheap bourbon and he brings back the voice that we did in Doesn't Breakfast even Club have his license Lisa yeah. Chicks can't hold they smokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like this. So so I did watch like another video and like ag again it was it was uh, I think it was at that like little kind of like Q and A thing um, or another thing where Anthony he was really close to John to John Hughes mm -hmm. and so like they would go to John's house and they would watch like the classic. Uh, comedians and Richard Pryor was one of them oh. and and Anthony he started to do an impersonation of Richard Pryor and John thought that was like the most hilarious thing ever so he kind of like took that and that's like why the whole like chicks cannot hold their smoke kind of thing and so at the bar scene that's pretty much what 
Anthony did, like all of that was just ad lib stuff. Like there were certain uh, lines that he needed to say, but the rest of it was totally ad libbed for him. I love so, that. I love that. Like a, yeah. a, just a random thing is pretty much the foundation of Danny and I's friendship, which is, of course, that cheeks can't hold they smoke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cheeks cannot hold their smoke. Um, and then, and then in this is. one, we got the classic line of, bitch need my nuts. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. oh my God. So so <laughs> the, the, the coming back to it, Lisa is bringing the boys out of the shell. Um, another um, – situation that she tries to help them with is uh Wyatt's older brother who is named Chet in the movie it is played by Bill Paxton he is just a son of a bitch um army cadet guy that is just cruel to Wyatt picks on him beats him up all these kind of things and you know Lisa's like Wyatt, you got to stand up to your brother. You can't let people push you around. Yeah, you got to tell him you, yeah because like that was their whole like drive um when they were going home like lisa was all like you have to you have to tell chet about me like yeah it's gonna happen eventually and why it's all like no i'm just not gonna tell him like that's not gonna happen sorry because the (laughs) the boys are always trying to avoid confrontation because they feel weak they feel meek they they just don't feel like they have the ability to stand up for themselves um i think of another great scene too where Gary um, has Lisa come over to meet his parents. and <laughs> She was Gary so excited is... about that. Oh, my God. Yes. And Ga- Gary. I can't wait to meet his parents. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> and Gary is somebody who lets his parents control his life, um, can't stand up to them, even though he's a good, you know, he's all in all a good kid, good student. And Lisa who's a smoke show rolls in and she's like, I'm your son's date tonight kind of thing. And they're like, uh, you're like 20 something. What the hell is going on? And she's basically being like, y'all need to chill out. Gary's the best. And the, the parents get heat and they're like, call the police. This lady's trying to like take our son. And she pulls a fucking gun on them. And is like, no, Gary's coming with me and we're going out partying tonight. So it's just fucking crazy. Um, This is where I start to realize that on my point of Lisa as a fairy godmother is Lisa is actually magical. And I'm not just saying. She can do whatever she wants. Yeah. Yeah. And not. And and, she puts her mind to it. Like she she can do it. Yeah. Not only can she do it, though, but she like can manipulate reality. Like. Yes, she can turn yes. lights on and off with the, you know, with with the flick of her fingers. She can erase people's memories. She can alter reality. So she's like literally. Which she kind of did to Gary's parents, like, like, because when they were driving back to to Wyatt's house for the party, um, Gary was kind of like low key freaking out about the gun and everything like that. And and Lisa was all like, "Don't worry, like your parents are not gonna remember anything that that happened." And and it, they go back to like Gary's parents, and like Gary's mom was all like, "Wasn't Gary acting a little strange?" And then his dad goes, "Who the heck is Gary? I don't know a Gary." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it just it just goes back between like the party and like Gary's parents, and and like. Gary's mom is like holding up a picture of Gary as like a little youngin, and it's all like, "See, look, this is our son," and he's all, and his dad is all like, "I don't know who that is," like, yeah. 
So. <laughs> oh, it's 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 t- and it's this is I, I and I do want to say this. I do think this is the funniest film that we have watched so far in our Brat Pack series. This, oh yeah, this absolutely. Is a, this is like an, super wild and like just out of. It's. It, I would say it's definitely com- in comparison to Sixteen Candles, which was another like goofy yes movie. This one is again like an Animal House goofy movie. Yes, but it's definitely. I feel like I mean aside from the f word that the the f bomb that they throw in there. Yeah, and just um, to be clear, we're not talking about fuck. We say fuck on this program, so that infers what the f slur they use. (laughs) Uh, yeah, they use the word faggot, and oh, I mean, but (laughs) bleep that out, bleep that out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I feel like also that term was used a lot in the eighties. Um, it was used in um. It was used in sixteen candles. It's another John. Yes, it's a John it Hughes go to word. Is what I, I mean. Realized. I think it was also used a lot in freaking Bre- the Breakfast Club too. Yes, the, he loves. Um, the, it was just it was popular at the time, and it's yeah. But this one, so, it's only I mean, happened twice in this movie. I did want to point out, which I think is less than other movies, which is good. Yes, yes. Um, and like they're really at least I couldn't catch them, but like to me. I don't think there was like a lot of cringy, offensive kind of like stereotype eighties uh, niches in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like this was just like a huge party house kind of thing. I mean, aside from like Lisa being twenty three and these kids are like sixteen, fifteen years old, yeah. like, and they're freaking like having sex with this woman and kissing them and stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's some so, the, the, the kissing she does is, like, pretty steamy at times, and you're like, yeah, that yeah. is a child. And now, yeah. I was that age once, and I can tell you, I'd be like, this would have been the coolest ever. <laughs> but obviously, as an adult, I'd be like, no, that's not good for anybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. But, like, it's just a big joyride of of a movie um uh john hughes even got uh the actor who played in um uh the actor who played road warrior from from mad max like they actually got the actual actor from that movie and also the actor from the hills have eyes uh to play like the rowdy biker gang that that comes well, in in the middle of the yes. of the part of the party and stuff. Yes, because Lisa so. convinces the boys to throw a big party. And I want to be careful here, Danny, because this is like this is the the ultimate ending scene of the film. Right. So well, this is like actually like the mo- the party at the, the house party is like the the big like climax of fin- it. like the main part of the um of the movie really. Yeah, and I don't so. want I don't want to get too into it too because this is. So this is where I want the audience to go and watch it. Everything and go just see it. gets like out of so out of hand. Like a lot of shit happens and it's hilarious. Oh, yes, yes. And like I said, <laughs> the whole point of this movie is that Lisa is their fairy godmother and teaching them to come out of their shell, teaching them to stand up for themselves, which I think is great messaging. It's just really silly and dumb how we get to that. Um, but, but man, this is what a fun ride. So much comedy, so much good music. Um, 
interesting effects. I'm thinking of Chet in the future. We won't say what what happens to Chet, but <laughs> very interesting um, uh, uh, makeup effects and everything. Um, I don't know what. I, you know, it's just this was just such a pleasure and a joy to watch. I just found myself laughing so much in this, yeah, and you know, yeah. it doesn't take itself seriously, which isn't like the rest of the Brat Pack films. Like a lot of them, coming of age, serious stuff. This is shenanigans through and through. To be honest, um, mm-hmm. and and I'm trying to think of some other. You know, we talked about comedy. There's literally magic in it. The soundtrack's fantastic. Um, it's also a little bit sci-fi. Uh, there's like a sci-fi element to it, which I don't think there's any other sci-fi-based Brat Pack films that that we're watching or going to watch anytime soon. Mm, no, not really. I don't think so. Um, I guess we should have started too. I meant to ask Danny at the beginning is like, do you have any connection or relationship to this to this movie? And then maybe afterwards we can give our final thoughts and 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 um you know scores and whatever but you know have you come across this in the past do you remember this at all like what oh yeah like this was like a again like you know after i watched um the breakfast club i just i wanted to watch anything john hughes directed or created and stuff like that so um weird science was definitely the other movie that I really fairly enjoy and that is close to my heart because like it's just shenanigans all the way and stuff. <laughs> um, excuse me. And and like like you said that the music in this one um, is fantastic. I mean like all of all of the songs in, in this are are excellent. I mean the the when they go to the mall and stuff like that and like lisa is shopping and um the the boys are just like in awe and they're just like i can't believe like we just created a woman and stuff like that and then like you know lisa is in the lingerie shop and like asking the woman at the lingerie shop like do you think a 15 year old boy like if you were a 15 year old boy boy would this turn you on and like she's holding like a lace thong and the woman is just like in disgust and lisa's just like yeah i thought so too oh yeah that's (laughs) And I, I appreciate that they they play into it that they're like, yeah, this is really inappropriate and not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, but then all of a sudden, when Lisa leaves, um, and she's like walking, and you know, like uh, Robert Downey and um, his friend uh, Max, who is played by by Robert uh, Russ Russell Russler, um, they they I mean they they have girlfriends and like they're known as like the popular kids and stuff. And so while they're walking, like, I mean, the, the boys, they threw, uh, they like dumped an icy on Gary and Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like Hilly and Deb were all like, that wasn't cool. Like you shouldn't have done that. And like, you know, they're all like, oh, we're sorry, you know. And so they're like walking. They're they're going down the escalator and Lisa is coming up the escalator and then Pretty Woman starts playing. And like Ian and Max are just so mesmerized by Lisa and stuff and just following her and everything like that. 
So like that whole scene is just like, to me, I feel like that's just an iconic scene, especially when like Lisa leads that uh, Ian and Max to like outside and like they're talking to Lisa and stuff. And then all of a sudden, Gary whips up in, in this fucking Porsche um, and is all like, all right, come on, hon, Lisa, like, like, Lisa, come on, like, we gotta, we gotta go, and, like, Robert Downey Jr. and, 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 like, both of them are just, like, you're with them, like, (laughs) (laughs) I just love it, I love it, I absolutely love it, it's so great. Oh, it's the best, um, I, um, my connection with this film is kind of similar to, maybe some other films that we we've, we've watched in this series and i it reminds me of the faculty it just this was always on tv when i was growing up um i'm thinking of tnt and tbs and, and stuff like that um so i'd always see it and i can't remember the last time i watched the whole thing through but mm-hmm. um yeah this i i have strong oh yeah i've watched this movie multiple times like oh yeah 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 so i i definitely have watched it an obscene amount and probably not as much as breakfast club because i know i i i can recite breakfast club yeah well. yeah yeah so, yeah no totally um, yeah but this one is a hard like second or third i would say um i think my second favorite like brat pack movie would probably be pretty in pink like that one's another one that i absolutely love so and that um, that should be coming soon actually now that i think about it um, yeah but, i think that was going to be next well i'll have to look at our little ping pin thing oh 100 um, percent. but i just remember hearing oingo boingo the title track weird science yeah. all throughout my life yeah. and i have fond memories of it and i'm glad i got to come back and, and just like sit down as an adult watch it um it's you know, it's it's goofy. You can't take it seriously. And then you're going to enjoy the film a lot more. Um, should we head into some ratings? Yeah, let's do it. All right, sweet. I don't mind uh, kicking off again. Um, and we also always ask, is it outdated? I mean, y- y- you know, like I said, the message behind of two young boys think- building the perfect woman is is never the best message. But because it's it's a pure comedy it, this movie rocks. <laughs> I think it's just, I think it aged well. Like, I don't think it's as, I would say, it's not as cringe as 16 Candles is. And certainly like, not as watching St. Those, Elmo's Fire. Yeah, watching those two movies, or at least the two movies that we watched today, um, this one, Weird Science isn't as cringy like this is just honestly a a good time yeah you know like you're gonna be bobbing your head you're gonna be laughing yes you're gonna be yeah like like, honestly i mean it has been a hot minute since i've i've watched weird science um oh and by the way uh you can't you can't find uh saint emil's fire on hbo max anymore yes um so you'll have to rent it if you want. I did rent it off of YouTube. So I actually rented both St. Elmo's Fire and Weird Science uh, off of YouTube. So, um, I mean, I, I own Weird Science, but hmm. I couldn't find my DVD. So I couldn't watch it for free. So <laughs> 100%. So this is a fun one. Um, um, I'm going to give it this. I'm going to score it. This is the most fun I've had so far in our series, just because I just got such a kick out of it. I am going to give this 
nine bras on my head. Oh my god! Out of ten, <laughs> which is my highest score nice. so far. Um, wow. It would have gotten a perfect ten if we just gotten rid of those two F slurs. No. <laughs> yeah, you know. But honestly, I, like a nine. That's still a pretty good score. That's a great score. You know? I loved it. This so. is this is this one was I as soon as I finished, I'm like, I can't wait to talk with Danny. I've had so much. This is what makes the yeah. series that we're doing fun for me is is movies like this. But um, yeah, tell us what you thought, Danny. Uh, I mean, I love this movie. This movie is one of my favorites. Like it's so it's so stinking fun. And like, I mean, who doesn't like Kelly LeBlanc? Kelly LeBrock like she is so stunning icon in this movie like like absolutely stunning um like I I wouldn't even be surprised I mean I don't know what her career has what has been like before this movie um but I mean for me I feel like after this movie if you saw her like I feel like her her career would have skyrocketed maybe I mean I don't know I I'm not I didn't like follow her her career too hard so um but you know like I mean you see little baby Robert Darney Jr in this so like that's always fun to see um especially in a John Hughes film so um and I do, I honestly, like, out of all the characters that Anthony Michael Hall has uh, played, this character in particular in Weird Science is my favorite character that he has ever played. Um, I don't mind him playing Brian in in The Breakfast Club. I mean, that's like an, inco- an iconic uh, character for him. Uh, but for me, for this one, like, I just loved everything about Anthony in this movie from like how his hair was to the clothes that he was wearing especially when like when when Lisa uh gave the got like gave the boys like a makeover and like it it, it was so cool just like looking at them like in their corny ass weird suits in the bedroom and then the minute they walked out of the bedroom you can just see the electricity just changing their clothes. Mm. Um, so just like those little things was just absolutely perfect. Um, so I too am going to give it a nine out of ten. Let's go. So uh, not oh sorry nine. Um, uh, nine. Asking the saleswoman at the lingerie store if if you were a fifteen year old boy, would these turn you on out of ten? <laughs> oh my god, that's horrible! I love that. I love that so much. This is this was. Oh man, ugh. the the face. I'm sorry, the old lady. Like when. Oh man, but the, the, I th- honestly think the best part about that scene is when, when sh- when the woman like, like in disgust, she's just like ooh, and she picks up like the thing or whatever, uh, you know. And Lisa's all like, "Yeah, I think so too. I'll take these." And like she takes them with like to like her index and her thumb and just like, like puts them away like like they stink or whatever, and and then as she's ringing them, like, ringing the underwear up. Lisa asks, oh, 
Um, do you have anything that that could match that, like a bra, <laughs> like a bra, uh, you know, like something along the lines, rubber? Uh, I can't remember the third thing, but the the uh, the second thing, but the third thing she asked, she she asked, or anything that has barbed wire on it, <laughs> and the woman was all like. Oh, come on, honey. Are you serious? Like, I just died. I love it. It's so good. That's just <laughs> it's so oh ridiculous. This was this was a super fun one, Danny. I'm glad we're going out on a high note on this. Um, <laughs> let's take a look at our schedule. What do we have left in our series so far? Let me see. So we have like four more movies left. And funny thing Pretty in Pink is is our next one. Let's go. Ooh, and about um, last night too. Yeah, yeah. So about last night, I did not. I never seen that one. Same. I've never seen that. Um, Actually, I've never seen all of Pretty in Pink. So this will be my first time into ooh. it. Ooh. Okay, good because Pretty uh, again, Pretty in Pink is my favorite. Oh, love that movie. Love it. Um, second favorite movie of all time, aside from Breakfast Club. Ooh, I'm excited so, for that. Um, yeah, so we have four more movies left. We have Pretty in Pink, About Last Night, Mannequin, and the last one is The Pickup Artist. Uh, so there were definitely, like, these these last ones, at least, like, Mannequin and Pickup Artist, are, like, subpar to the Brat Pack. Um, there is at least, like, one person who is part of the Brat Pack who is, who is in it, so, um, yeah, uh, but other than that, yeah, we're almost done and we're concluding our Brackpack series, which is exciting, but also sad at the same time. <laughs> yes, but don't worry. We're, we'll figure out, we, we're already brainstorming lots of fun stuff to <laughs> take a look at. Yeah. And if, if, um, whenever, um, uh, Andrew McCarthy drops his documentary that he's working on. Yes. We're definitely going to, we'll, we'll, we'll rent that and then we'll review that and we'll get a better look on what was really going on with a lot of these people. Yes. Um, on, you know, I was just looking at Michael Anthony Hall's, uh, you know, kind of career after all of this. And, you know, after this movie, um, he's still able to get some roles here and there, but his career starts to take a dip. Uh, he's dealing with alcoholism uh, because of the lifestyle. So you start mm-hmm. to notice that that things by this time period, a lot of these folks are going through like tragic parts of their lives. Robert Downey Jr. is probably the best example of like he almost died. Oh, my gosh. Like he had such a huge like drug and alcohol addiction when yeah. he was young and then and he's one <laughs> and he's like one of the most paid high like highly acclaimed actors of our day now you know like yeah it's crazy his trajectory and, and good on him for getting it together um so I, I don't know i'm excited for for next time when we we get back together and everything and and i'm excited to to keep exploring these last couple movies we got danny yeah i'm excited um yeah, so thank you, King, for doing this. This is always a pleasure and talking about movies. I love it. Um, and literally, it's exactly what Sam said. Like, yes, Sam and I have formed the cinematography a bit for the two of us, but like, you definitely are like 
a part of that now for sure oh thank you so much i i love it i love (laughs) listening to you guys for years and to be to get to 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 do this with you is well it's just the most fun i mean this is just the good stuff now now we're getting into the real good stuff too yeah yeah (laughs) oh man yeah um so yeah stay tuned for our next uh segment of the brat pack series which are the next two movies we're gonna be doing is pretty in pink and about last night um and again thank you so much for hanging out with us for like almost two hours maybe uh maybe a little bit less um and yeah uh buy a t-shirt our our freaking um anime summit uh website has amazing merch there and stuff so check that out and listen to our lovely plummet and also um we just released our scott pilgrim takes off uh review on the regular show and stuff and yeah that's about it thank you so much guys and we'll see you next time bye later